Awesome. Yeah, good times. Just encourage you with the foundation series that we are doing. The last 20 years of my life, Lisa and I have ministered together in counseling people with challenges in their, that they're facing. At least 80% of it comes back to the foundations. As much as you feel like the attacks are really on your house, as it were, which is true, the enemy is actually going for your foundations. Because once you can get the foundations, the house falls. And if you look at people that migrate away from the faith, it's because the foundations are cracked and crumbling. So I just encourage you in that to be prayerful about it. It's a great series by Derek Prince. We've been following along. He's, a, he's, a, he's an amazing, amazingly gifted teacher. Here we go. Praise the Lord. Well, we are starting Ephesians chapter 4 today. Let's open a prayer. Thank you, Lord. We just honor you. We just make fresh declaration in the cinema that where else would we go? You alone, Lord Jesus Christ, have the words to life. We declare in the cinema that all Scripture that God breathed is fruitful. It is good for training, equipping, correcting all of us in this room that we may be fully equipped for every good work. We yield to your word. We ask for alignment, that you would lead us in alignment, in repentance, in any part of our life that is contrary to your word. We ask that you reveal the truth to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start out with a metaphor today to help uh, illustrate a spiritual truth. How many of you guys looked in the mirror today? I know Victor did. He walked in, he looks tight wherever he is. That man looked in the mirror. How many of us made adjustments upon the reflection we saw, like because of what we saw in the mirror? How many of us refused to believe what they saw in the mirror and made no adjustments? Looking at you, no, just kidding. No one. Why? Why why did you why did you just submit to what you saw? Because the mirror is just spitting facts, it's not opinions, it's just legit. This is what reality looks like. It's, it's unconcerned of how you feel. I don't know if you sometimes get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and, go, and I say, at least I don't know what happened last night, but this ain't good. <laughs> now those ages, I'm just, oh, weird, okay. I don't go, that's not true, I don't believe. You're like, you know what the mirror is showing you is reality. And then I run in the other bathroom, and that mirror says the same thing. I'm like, oh boy. The mirror downstairs says the same thing. It's just reality. You don't get mad. It's a mirror. It's just doing its job. It's meant to reflect what you look like. Now, when you look at this guy, he did not look in the mirror recently. And we've seen that. Walking around, you come home and like, I've been walking around. Where's my friends? Do I not have any friends in the world that will tell me this? And you're jibber-jabbering and you're just like, and then you go and look in the mirror and it's like, how many of us would look like that and then walk away with it in our teeth still? Hey, what the? Now, the book of James, in James, James takes this idea here, it's a metaphor, to illuminate an aspect of Scripture and the role of the Word of God in our lives. And dare I say, in the whole world's life, anyone on the planet can look into the Word of God and see a reflection They may not like it, they may try and alter it, 
but it will give a reflection. Be ye doers of the word, not just hearers only. Otherwise, you're deceiving yourselves. For anyone who hears the word but does not carry it out is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after observing himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and continues to do so, not being a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, he will be blessed in what he does. You see, he's highlighting here one of the key roles, one of many, but key roles of the Word of God in our lives to show us reality. It says that you'll be deceived if you're just a hearer of the Word and it doesn't translate to doing the Word. Deceive means to miscount, to cheat by false reckoning, to deceive by false reasoning. And this is what happens when we don't apply the Word of God. And we think, well, I've been a Christian a long time. What's wrong? It's like someone who wants to lose weight. They read books on weight loss. They read books on nutrition. They go onto YouTube and they watch the guy, the fit young 20-year-old telling you how to do things. They chat with it online. And they still go, what's wrong? Why am I not losing weight? I'm filled with all of this knowledge and understanding. Dude, you need to apply it. It's useless if it's not applied. It's just knowledge. Even Paul rebukes the core of church and says knowledge pops up. The continuing gathering of information without application can actually lead to a form of deception. Because you say, I know all about Jesus. I know why he came. I know what he did. I know why he came. I know when he's coming back. Great. But what are you doing about that information? How is it articulated in your life? The Bible is a mirror, a spiritual mirror. Now, we have looked into the mirror in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3. And we, you may have looked in the mirror and not believe what you saw. We had to deal with a, a, a girl with, uh, not bulimia, the other one, anorexia. It's a horrific thing. And when that girl looked in the mirror, she did not see reality. And sometimes I feel like there's a spiritual anorexia. We look in the mirror and we just refuse to receive what the mirror says, the word of God. But the Word of God has spoken very clearly of who you are, if you are a Christian in this room, if you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It has been repeated continually for the last three chapters. And by that definition of that reflection of the mirror, I will speak to you. I will not speak to you in a, in a confused mind that lowers you to the planet in a sense to make you just like a normal humor, human or said in a song I once heard that the, the saints are just the sinners who fall down and get up. Is that right? Is that what the Bible says? Is that what the mirror reflects? So we're, our desire is to call each one, myself included, to the reflection. Not in who the world says we are, not in what all the noise says you are, not in how the world defines you and says what you should live for and why you should live. Not the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, all of that is put aside. But what does the reflection of the word of God say? Right standing to see the reflection. Let's get into Ephesians 4. Therefore, I, I, a prisoner of serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. It's an intense way to start, but remember where I'm calling to you, what reflection I'm calling you to, of who you are sitting here positionally, 
without even praying and asking. You've already got multiple times we pray for, to God for things we already have. It's just about you engaging your will to walk it out. Imagine getting a letter from Paul, someone who suffered for Jesus Christ. He says, I'm a prisoner. You're like, oh, he's from prison. He's a prisoner, really? I didn't know that. And he from prison is going to call you higher. He wants you to lead a life, to walk, to conduct oneself, it means in the Greek. To regulate your life. Worthy of the call. Now, this truth sentiment is, echoes throughout many of Paul's letters. Philippians, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. It's a bit like when I was young, and my dad would say, you're a Russell, act like it. You're a Christian, act like it. Colossians 1.10, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit all the while. You will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Continue us throughout. We plead with you, encouraging you and urging you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy, for he has called you to share in his kingdom and glory. I go gaze upon the reflection of what a Christian is from Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. And Paul is speaking to that reflection. You are not walking in a manner worthy of the call. Calling foreordained. The gifts and calling upon our lives are without repentance, it says. The call is still waiting. If you have walked away, the call is still waiting. You say, Nick, I was hurt. I was this. I was that. We've got a myriad of excuses. Put those excuses in front of this mirror. Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3. Who has not suffered here? Who has not been betrayed here? Who has not been hurt here? Put it before the Lord in all that he has done in light of that mirror and it falls to the ground. Because all of us fall short. Even you who have had a great life fall short of the glory of God. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And it's not just me calling you in your calling. It says, the calling of God. You have been called by God. Not just your coach who sort of saw your potential and said, hey, you know, you should do this. But God himself, and it said, it's a, the Greek is a loud voice. Do you remember when that call was really loud? Maybe it isn't loud anymore. It's not me as a pastor and elder in this church who's calling you. It is the living God in the mirror that's calling In light of this, Paul is going to go into some keys on how we can practically walk this out. Practically walk it out. Foundational truth, in particular, interpersonal skills. He is transitioning from the first half of Ephesians into more of the church. He's talked about you. He's talked about me. There's been interpersonal, particularly Jew and Gentile, but now he's going to talk about the church. So he's now engaging more into interpersonal skills with people around you. And that's what the focus is going to be in a very familiar list to us. I want you to know that these characteristics that we're going to look at don't just happen. Just like reading a diet book or whatever you would choose to read or whatever would speak to you in this metaphor. 
You, it, is, it is application that is critical. Always. How many times is always? Yes. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. Again, just to, just to, to reiterate Paul's consistency in Colossians, it says this, Colossians 3.14, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Do you mean my father that beat me? Yes, your father that beat you. Do you mean the person that took advantage of me? Yes. Anyone who, who has offended you, the Bible clearly, because it takes you right to Jesus forgiving you. That's a choice, by the way. The list I'm going to go through is not an emotional, waiting for the emotions. You can choose to do this today. As a Christian, the will must be engaged. Yes, the power and how we execute is the grace of God, the mercy of God. We, but our, meet, our will meets God in faith, in engagement. Above all, clothe yourself in love. Always be humble. I'm just going to go into the Greek and let the Bible speak. Well, that kind of rhymed. That was weird. There's a little bit of a jingle there. Humility. Remember, this is from an interpersonal perspective. Don't forget where you come from. Do you know why I believe Thanksgiving is, is permeated throughout Paul's prayers? Because it reminds him also of why he got what he's got. What have you got that you've not been given? If you have anything of any eternal value, it was given to you. So why do you act like you earned it? I mean, for me, humility is just reality. When you get up in the morning, you bow before the living God. That's just reality. That's an engagement with what is true. When we thank God for all that we have, the jobs that we have, the money that we have, the house that we have, why we're not stingy in giving or stingy in tithing or these various, is because it's a proclamation that God is my provider. Of course, talk is cheap. You may have that theology, but is there any reality to it? Gentle, gentleness, meekness, mildness of disposition. Particularly with the social media world that we live in, I would not say gentleness is a defining characteristic of it. Genesis chapter 6 says the world was full of violence. Every thought and intention of man was on uh, wickedness only. That starts to begin to define the world we in gentleness. Now, I find the reason I struggled with gentleness is because I was an orphan. I was an abused child. Was so, and, and I took that right into my Christianity. And I'm here to fight for Jesus. I'm going to defend Jesus. So although it was in the spiritual, there were some good things. In the natural, walking out was all flesh. And I wonder why it wasn't working. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Remember that? Uh, sing that. Gentleness. You can choose to be gentle. Even if you're not, you could choose this way. Patience, endurance, consistency, steadfastness, perseverance, 
long-suffering, patiently endure. Patience with one another. Just relax, relax. Patience. You can choose to be patient. This whole list that we're going through, you drag this list into any relationship you have with anyone and it will transform the relationship. Most of us will be well aware of these various characteristics. My challenge to you is to choose to do them. To choose to walk them out. To catch yourself the way you speak about people. To catch the self, yourself the way you speak against coworkers or bosses. And I believe there's a ton of fodder for politicians, believe me, for us to yibber-yabber about. But stop doing it. Stop speaking that way. You can choose to do that. You can choose to take hold as a Christian. If you're not a Christian here today, yeah, you can't. You're under the sway of the, the flesh. You will not be able to withstand it. But as a Christian, you are. Bearing, bearing is so important. Bearing, to hold up, forbearance. Bearing with one another. How many of us in the church have had to bear with other people? And you're like, yeah, you, Nick. <laughs> You'll note that these, 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 these characteristics are, are akin to that which is, has a level of intimacy. That the church is not just a place that one's supposed to go to on Sunday, sit for half an hour for worship, and, and then sit another half an hour or so for, 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 to hear the word, and then go home. There's an organism to it, that we, there's an intimacy to it that you have to get close enough that you can get irritated. You can get offended. You can get misjudged. But we need to step back and go, maybe buddy that blew up there, maybe he's just having a bad day. Bless him, Lord. Love. Love. I like the fact that we're commanded to love. I was just talking to you about this, actually. That we're not commanded to like. Because I don't know if I can just like someone. I don't know, because it's, it's, it's got my own, what I'm into, what, what, my personality, uh, whether I do this or that, activities. But commanded to love makes it plain. Love them. And we can get a whole sub-list of love of 1 Corinthians 13. We're commanded to love. He is only commanding and telling us to always be in this list of what we have the potential to be and do. It would be inappropriate for Paul to ask you to do something that you're incapable of doing. He is calling you higher. He's taking the excuses off the table. Say, no, you don't understand. Always. He's putting, as it were, strength back into you. That you're not just tossed around in the spiritual realm and, oh, yeah. No, that you stand when all else you stand. I'm a Christian. I have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, abides in me. I can do all things through Christ. I can't do all things through the flesh. In fact, the flesh profits nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So all of these directives, all of them, you do not have to have an emotional engagement. You don't have to wait to feel like it. Now, it's great when it all comes together. Get me in, don't get me wrong. But we trust as God refines, as he sanctifies, as he transforms our mind, the sanctification, that we come into alignment. But alignment first starts with agreement. 
Do you agree that you should be humble? Do you agree that you should be gentle? Do you agree that you should be patient? And so on. It's agreement. Ah, I agree. Okay, that's where repentance starts. And in that, as we start to walk this out, the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives. And we talked about mindset. We talked, go look a couple Sundays back on repentance and the role and critical nature of repentance and ongoing repentance, transformation of the mind. Unity of spirit, agreement through peace, harmony. I always think of a symphony, an orchestra, harmony. They're playing different instruments, but they're in the same key. I won't go beyond that because I know nothing else about it. But they all sound pretty good. And Buddy's up there doing this, and that's the Holy Spirit. And you're just watching the Holy Spirit, watching the conductor. Okay, it's your hit back off. It's not like turn to shine. But it's this wonderful, you can imagine in the spiritual realm, the delight that God would get in the unity of his church, his people, just flowing in such a way. With these characteristics well at work in us. Not esteeming ourselves better than we ought. Esteeming others higher than ourselves. Putting the gun down, putting the fists up. You know, I'm no longer an orphan. God fights. I trust him. I walk through the battle knowing that he is my, he is my shield. Psalm 91 rings in my ears. I no longer have to fight. I now can lay down and trust Jesus Christ. I can trust him in all that he has called us to. For there is one body and one spirit. This is why you should act in that way. Because there's just one body. There's one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, whoever, who is over all, in all, and through all. Paul is speaking here about the potential Divisions that happen in church. The cultural divisions. The financial divisions. The political divisions that potentially rip churches apart. Factions that divide, they divided from the beginning. I want to remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This always comes to mind when I think of denominations. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you say, I'm a follower of Paul. Others say, I'm a follower of Paulus. Some say, I'm a follower of Peter. I'm a follower of Christ. There's this huge divisions happening in Corinth. Corinth. Has Christ been divided in these factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. This, this sentiment is echoed through this, this letter to the Ephesians. And you can imagine that, you know, we've talked about the divisions of Gentile and Jew, particularly at that time. We don't really think about those things today. There are other issues, maybe political, but there are still things that divide because the enemy is always dividing. It's one of the key uh, strategies he has. If you can divide, it falls. There is... There is a key here that we see. One body. Just one. There's only Jesus. There's only one body though. There's not multiple bodies. There's 
one body, one body of Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, His body. The Spirit, there's one Spirit. There's not multiple spirits. There's not a baby Holy Spirit in the other cinema for the kids. There's one Spirit. There's one hope. Jesus Christ, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Do we think about that hope? Is our hope in the financial system, which is kind of having problems, is where is your hope? Do you ever think about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because the early church did often. The hope of what's to come. These light and momentary sufferings and struggles do not compare to what will be revealed, the glory that will be revealed. Why are you suffering, dude? Why are you, don't you realize what's coming? Why forfeit what's to come to obtain what is now when you will only lose what is now in a very short period of time? One spirit that distributes the gifts, one hope that, that brings it about, one Lord. And you know my love for Revelation 4 and 5, when Jesus steps in, he is the Lord. Lordship is a strange thought to us. It's a very academic thought and study for the first world church. When is the last time you went into any place and had to bow? I remember when I was a kid, when you walked into a church service and you had your hat on, they hit your hat off. No offense, Matt, I'm just saying. But it was just, it was a sign of, I'm not saying they should or not. I'm just saying, it was like, you, it's a sign of respect. You didn't, or when you're about to pray, it's like, take your hat off, boy. It's just what, that was, the, that was the closest thing I had to honoring and lordship. That he is the Lord, not you. He's the Lord of your life, not you. You've been bought with a price. Faith. There's one faith that we partake in. There's a popular sentiment in the culture today that there's many truths. My truth. My, what, what? My truth? I mean, in other words, you're saying my opinion. Because by very definition, you can't say my truth. Truth is objective. It's your opinion. No, it's my truth. It, it doesn't make sense. I guess if it's your truth that you could jump off the building, and uh, a three-story building and, and, and bounce, I guess we'll find out. But there's facts are facts. The mirror is the mirror. Jude says this. Paul says this here. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about the common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing to you to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all time handed down to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed. It's relatable. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into indecent behavior and deny our only master, Lord Jesus Christ. The faith, the baptism. There's one baptism into Christ, identity in Christ. If you have not been water baptism, it's not an optional extra. extra. It's a command, repent and be baptized. If you want to further understand that, Romans chapter 6 is a great chapter to understand the identity that's needed with Christ. 
to walk out the fullness of what we, God has for us, the, the gifts and calling. God and Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we've been brought into relationship. We sang a song about Abba Father, and you may like go, like, Abba, isn't that a group? Like, what, what are we singing about? But Abba actually means, in the original language, Daddy. It's a sign of intimacy. It's not just a sign of position, like Father, but it's an acknowledgement of the position, but also the relationship that you have with the position. The intimacy. And it says that His Spirit is poured out to testify to your spirit that I'm a child of God, by which we cry out, Abba. That's why we sing that. It's right from the Scriptures and the, the, the intimacy with the Father. Now, it's amazing when you look at this list, and even in this church, that we have many people from many tribes, tongues, and nations, many walks of life, all the colors in the spectrum, as it were. And yet, I look at the unity that we have when we walk in the Spirit together. That wherever you're coming from, whatever culture you come from, you come into Christ, boom, this culture here, and there's a connection as we go through the one door of Jesus Christ. And so as because of that, to walk in these characteristics of gentleness, patience, love, unity of the Spirit, defending the unity of the Spirit, unity of the faith will come. But it's interesting, unity of the Spirit is mentioned first. Let's land this. I believe Paul has laid out clearly some initiatives for us in this passage. He has justified and explained the singularity of Christ here. The all-consuming nature of Christ. What he has finished for us, what he's provided for us. Even Hebrews talks about a salvation, an ongoing saving that happens. We have seen who he is and what he is. And, and we've seen our reflection in that. It's time for us to live intentionally. To put into practice what we know to be true. God is not asking you or calling to you something you do not have. Now you will know you don't have it when you try it and you're under law and not grace and you're not in Christ but in the world and in the flesh. Because it's impossible for you to achieve it. But those in Christ are called to walk this out. This is what my... Uh, Life becomes way simpler when it's not always up for a debate between you and the Holy Spirit. I was thinking about, I'm determined to run. You mean, Nick, are you determined to run when it's not raining? Can you be a bit more descriptive? Choose you. What are you going to do? What do you want to do? It doesn't just happen. Weeds grow when you don't tend the garden. You have to intentionally weed the garden or tend the garden. You have to intentionally plant certain seeds over other seeds to get the desired outcome. My son is a good runner. I don't know if he's sleeping in here, but uh, this poor kid had to do the 800-meter race. I think it was grade 6, made it grade 6 or 7. And the 800-meter race is a horrific race because it's, it's almost at sprint for two laps. It's a horrific endeavor if you've ever done it. The 400s are all right. Beyond that's all right because you can 
you can uh, just ease off. But you kind of have to be on it. In your... And I gave him strategy. I knew my son is a fast runner. So he has the potential. I'm not asking him to do something that's not in him. But he had to listen to the strategy in order to win the race. The potential was not enough. He had to engage his will to listen to me. He had to say, okay, you know more than I do. Now, I don't know if that's still there in his mind at 18. But he had to listen to the wisdom I gave him. I said, look, you've got to run for a lap and a half, second or third position. Do not lead. And at the 200-meter mark, you've got to drop the hammer. You've got to suffer. You've got to run. You've got to run in a way that you will win. I don't want you to, you just, you just drain the gas tank. You sprint. And it was an amazing thing to watch. He did exactly what I said. And he laid the hammer. And he sprinted. And he just broke. I actually teared up. I know it's kind of weird. It's rare. But he executed. He obeyed as it were. Did he suffer? Oh, yeah. Did he suffer more than any of those other kids? Yep. Did the lack of acid in his legs as he's rounding the corner crying out for him to stop? Oh, for sure. But his will was engaged to run to the, to, towards the, the call of the high call in Christ Jesus. Did he see the crowd? Doubt it. Did he hear the yelling? Probably not. He was so engaged in the winning, so engaged in executing the instructions. Don't overcomplicate the call of Jesus Christ in your life. It's a very simple, very simple call. And in this book, we just need to do it. And yes, you'll, you will do some things wrong and the Holy Spirit will go, dude, you got a bit of a misunderstanding there. And there is in the going, but God works on you far more in the going than the waiting to be perfect. I'm not going to serve until I've arrived. I'm not going to give until i got lots of money. I'm not going to... This is not the kingdom way. Refinement and sanctification happens in the going. And I always, I'm being amazed by that, that God got me to plant a church 12 years ago because I wouldn't have picked me. And particularly being a leader, I have to be at church, even though I should be, but I have to be. But that's actually good discipline for me. Lest I drift and stray. Lest the slopes call me. Lest the, the cabin calls me in the summer. Lest I get distracted. I got to be here. And I thank God for that. Let's just stand together, please. Have you guys heard the phrase that people would say, I didn't know I had it in me. I was jumped by two guys and I was downtown and whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't even know I had it in me. I trust this for us as we walk in faith that at some point you would go, wow, I didn't know I had it in me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead abides in us. All's been finished. Jesus Christ is seated at the heavenly places in we are seated in him and he is seated by the Father. Everything we have and need for life and godliness has been given to us. If he freely gave us his own son, will he not freely give us all things? Let's just pray. Thank you, Lord. We honor your name. We exalt you. We just thank you for the finished work. We long, Lord God, to beam glory to you that people would see good works, that people would see life-changing works and give glory to the Father. We long to be an expression of the kingdom of God here 
on the shore. We long for men and women to come from far and wide, to turn from sin, to turn towards the living God, to be transformed, to have life and life abundantly, righteousness, peace, and joy. But Lord, we want to walk in it ourselves. We despise hypocrisy in others, but most of all in me. We long to walk out what we know to be true. We long to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We long to look in to the mirror of your word and make the necessary adjustments where they need to make. Or when we're feeling down and we're feeling like losers, to look in the mirror and say, no, I am not. I'm an overcomer. I'm in Christ. We long to pray prayers that rise above asking for things we already have, but through ignorance of the word of God, we don't even know we have them. We long to not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but to stand firm and know our God and know who we are. We thank you for clarity. We thank you for 2020 vision. We hear your voice in this time that you are looking for a bride. That you're looking for articulation. That you're looking for no... A, a people that do not want glory to themselves. A people who do not want to serve God for money. A people who desire the things that are from above. We have tasted of the world and it has made us vomit. We want to taste again more and more and see that you are good, Lord. Just open your hearts. Lewis is going to lead us in this song. Thank you, Lord.